welcome to Draw Near, and today we have a little bit of a treat for you. So our last episode was about prayer, and I will link that initial conversation in the show notes if you haven't listened to that yet. But we wanted to share a really good follow-up discussion on this topic that Fred and I had with our friend and Catholic speaker Matthew Leonard. So this was a discussion for something other than Draw Near, actually, so uh, that's that would explain why the audio is a little bit fuzzy, but his insight is still so beautiful and well worth a listen. So we hope you enjoy it. One of the things you often talk about uh, is the life of prayer. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded how difficult this year has been. And one of the things, you know, in, in my in my own walk this year that I've noticed um, is that, you know, we've all had that kind of the waves of this year. Like initially there was that, you know, we're all in quarantine. There was that excitement of keeping the faith alive in the home. And then as it continued to drag on, I feel like we all started to wane a bit. And, you know, and um, the one thing I think really stands out to me, if you're a stronger Catholic now at the end of the year, it's because you really dove in and took seriously the life of prayer. And I know that's what, what you really wanted to share with us today. So, um, so I, don't, I don't know where you want to begin, but let's, let's have that discussion about the life of prayer. Yeah, you know what's interesting is the kind of visual that comes to mind when you're thinking about what we've gone through during this year is that it kind of feels like the Israelites, and after the Babylonians came in in 586, 587, destroyed the temple, which is the only place of sacrifice for the Jewish religion, and they got sent off into exile for 70 years. And so what did they do while they were there? Well, they developed their life of prayer. It was really all about the scriptures and praying. In fact, you read stories like Daniel and the lion's den and stuff. Why did he get thrown to the lion's den? Because he was praying. And that was the only thing they had to, to kind of hang on to. And I feel like that's been the, the plight of a lot of Catholics as we've been enduring this kind of COVID crisis. And I know for myself, um, I mean, I've, I discovered a long time ago, uh, I'm a convert to the faith. So 22 years this past Easter. And for the first few years after becoming a Catholic, I was so overwhelmed by all the incredible stuff that's in the Catholic church. You know, you're mm-hmm. kind of like that, the miser uh, who, who digs his, his hands into the treasure chest and he's like, ha, 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 you know, <laughs> all the gold coins of the Catholic faith are kind of falling through your fingertips. And you get so wrapped up in all these new things that you were discovering that there was a, a period of time when my, my spiritual life, for all the treasure I had at my, my feet, kind of went off the rails a little bit. And it's Mm. mostly because I kind of left my life of prayer behind. And when it finally dawned on me, like, goodness, Matt, I mean, I could go to mass every day and not really be getting the grace I should be out of this sacrament because I've I've kind of left my prayer life off to the side. I made the decision at that point, I have to dive in head first. And what I discovered, and I kind of knew it already, but really what I began to experience was this incredible transformation because the life of prayer, particularly in a Catholic context, is mind-blowing. I mean, not having a life of prayer is kind of crazy one way or the other because you're not talking to the person who loves you more than anyone else. But when you do it in a Catholic context, uh, it's just, it's a whole new ball game, Uh, partly because it's united to the sacraments, right? I mean, there's enough grace in one consecrated host to save the whole world. The only thing Mm -hmm. stopping it is us. Prayer gets us out of the way so that grace can flow. And I didn't have that kind of grace Mm -hmm. as a Protestant, but I have it now. And so when, when you, if you're cut off from the sacraments right now and you're focusing on your life of prayer, you're going to find 
that when you get back to the sacraments and you're able to partake, that your life is going to go on kind of like steroids, so to speak. Even just in our, it's very easy as a convert too, I can relate. It's easy to fall into the trap that Jesus himself warns us about before he gives us the Our Father, you know, do not, you know, pray in vain words and repetitions. You know, he gives us that warning that it's, it's pretty easy to fall into this trap of, of just kind of going through things uh, rote and, and just going through the motions. So I think it's important that even as we're finding ourselves needing to pray, you know, that prayer of spiritual communion and things like this, that we really take a moment to reflect on what we're praying to dive into that interior life. In a lot of ways it really is that simple. And I think you're kind of speaking to that. I don't know if you want to build on that anymore. Or... Well, what comes to mind is uh, St. Francis de Sales really, and, and St. Teresa of Avila both really kind of focus on this where they talk about the fact that it's great to pray your rosaries and your litanies and all your active spiritual communion and all these other things. But if you're not focusing on what it is that you are saying, you're not really praying. Right. And he says that one fervent Our Father or one fervent Hail Mary is far more powerful and effective than a slew of rosaries that you just kind of blow through. Mm -hmm. So you have to focus on what it is that you are saying. And the kind of flip side of that, and I'm sure this has been the experience of a lot of us as we're trying to, you know, I don't know what it's like in, in Sioux City, right in Steubenville, we're back to full masses and I'm going to you know, daily mass again. But when we were cut off and I'm try I got six kids at home and it, like, <laughs> there's no focusing going on. I mean, it's like, you know, you're, you're constantly going, Hey, pay attention, do this, you know, do that. Right. Listen to what the priest is saying. And so it's hard to focus on the things even that you're saying. And, uh, but there's also the, the, the act of the will, right? So I'm putting myself in this position. The Lord knows your heart. It's not like you have to dissect every word as you're saying. If you're making an act of the will and you want to be in the moment with the Lord, right. there's that part of it as well. And so you don't want to get mm -hmm. too caught up in having to zero in on everything and turn it all over in your head. As right. long as you're, you're there and making an act of the will, the Lord hears those prayers. When we don't have a prayer life, Matthew, or like when, when we're not bringing ourselves to God, which is obviously what we're made for. And you've mentioned this as well. What's the consequence of that? Like, what's the consequence of not focusing on our interior life? Well, you're just not going to progress in the spiritual life. I mean, the, if you look at the catechism of the Catholic church, part four is all about prayer. And why does the church put it there? Why is it a major section? Well, because the church knows that if you don't have a life of prayer, you're simply not going to make it to heaven, all things being equal. Obviously, there are always uh, circumstances in which someone could go to heaven where they don't have a life of prayer, or whatever the church teaches this. But for us, to whom it has been revealed that we're supposed to have a relationship with our Lord, we better have a life of prayer. Because when you get to heaven, all right, and let's just use the, the kind of uh, cliched St. Peter standing at the pearly gates. When we get there, what, what is Jesus going to say? Well, can you recite the four Marian dogmas for me? Can you tell me what Matthew 548 is? You know, right. and no, he's going to say, do I know you? Yeah. Right. You know, we have to have this relationship with him. Prayer is that relationship. And if we are headed toward a union with God in heaven, which is what it's all about, and that's what sainthood is. It's an actual divinization, a deification of us as we go through this life. If that's the goal and prayer is our relationship with our Lord, then prayer better be something that we are doing right now. Because if we are not, we're simply lost. 
St. Alphonsus Liguori says that short of a miracle, a person who does not have a life of meditative prayer will end up in mortal sin, period. And there's another place where he, he paraphrases St. Teresa of Avila and he says that if you, if you don't have a regular life of meditative prayer, you don't need demons to carry you to hell. You carry yourself there in your own hands. Wow. Yeah. That's terrifying, yeah, right? Yeah. And so we have to make this act of the will. And I get it. It's hard. I got six kids. I got to get up earlier than they do in order to have time to pray. But we have to make this act of the will and set up a schedule of prayer. What does St. Paul tell us? I think it's First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray constantly, right? Well, how in the world are we going to pray constantly if we can't even enter into set times of prayer? at any given time. So we have to schedule it into our day and it becomes part of our life routine as we are cultivating this relationship with our Lord. We have to do that as Catholics. Otherwise, what's the point? You mentioned that prayer is the last pillar in the catechism and I find it so fitting that it comes after we really get the full of um, of the faith, but particularly the sacraments. When we, when we receive grace, when we're united to God in the sacraments, like that makes our prayer all the more more beautiful, all the more unitive. It makes it more powerful as yeah. well. I mean, it, cause, because prayer, prayer isn't just a conversation. Prayer is something that's supposed to transform us. The entire Catholic life is ordered to deification. Prayer is supposed to transform us, right? It, it's always ordered to action, even our meditative prayer. In fact, this is something that bears just saying right now. Catholics have to have a life of meditative prayer. And if you're listening to this thinking, I don't even know what meditative prayer is. You know, is that like a dude who dresses like shaggy, you know, and Scooby-Doo and he's like, ohm with his legs crossed in a yoga position. No, that's Eastern stuff. That's not Catholic meditation. Really, all it is is attentive reflection on our Lord that's aided by some kind of a spiritual input. That's what Catholic meditation is. So let's say you have your Bible or some kind of other spiritual reading, because it's typically books that people use. Mm -hmm. You start to read through it slowly. And when the Lord speaks to you, you pause and you enter into this kind of internal dialogue with him. And then when he reveals things to you, like you need to work on this, or you need to talk to that person because you are not in relationship with them or whatever, you then resolve to act on that. And that's what the whole relationship is, is about. It's Jesus becoming more a part of you so that you are more like him to the rest of the world. And you are transformed from the inside out because the whole point is be to become like Jesus Christ. And the catechism says that prayer is what restores man to God's likeness. So we have to do this and you've got to develop a life of meditative prayer. You just start having this internal conversation with God and it will transform your life. Yeah. Even something as simple as like Lexio Divina would be meditative yes. prayer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. In fact, Lexio Divina is is probably like the the top of the pyramid, so to speak. Yeah. And Lexio Divina just means divine reading. And uh, the, the classic work on Lexio Divina was written by this guy named Guigo the Carthusian. And he sounds like, you know, local Italian muscle in Chicago <laughs> or something. And, but he wrote this classic, beautiful work. And the steps of it are basically just taking your Bible and slowly reading a passage. And what's interesting about Lexio Divina that a lot of people don't realize is that the more you know the story of the Bible, the more powerful your, your Lexio Divina. Hmm. So if you, 
if you think that, you know, Moses was on the ark with the animals or that Noah led the Israelites out of Egypt, you need to go back and read those stories <laughs> again. But what you see is it's all kind of making connections between different parts of sacred scripture as the Lord is speaking to it. It's literally a divine encounter because you're reading the word of God, which is inspired by him. And that leads to meditation. But what's interesting is after the meditation, the final goal of Lexio Divina is actually contemplation. So in Catholic teaching, you've got three modes of prayer. You've got vocal, meditative, and contemplative prayer, right? And vocal and meditative prayer, you and I are the impetus. We are engaging it like we're reading the Bible or whatever it is. Contemplative prayer is totally different. This is when God takes over. And he starts to infuse himself into you. It comes from the Latin mm. word infusum, which means that which is poured in. So God begins to pour himself into you in contemplative prayer. You can prepare for it, but you can't make it happen. That's the goal of Lexio Divina. So you read the word of God and you meditate on it. So it actually becomes a part of you. And you move into a contemplative relationship with our Lord, which is a foretaste of heaven. In, in latter of the words, you compare the life of prayer to a marital relationship, specifically as you grow, you know, over the years in your marriage. And I think that kind of points to that as well. You, those moments of silence, maybe you could just share with the listeners a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you think about your human relationships and when you first start dating somebody, you know, you're, you're jabbering all over the place. I mean, the, the craziest things become romantic, you know, like the tires on your car are romantic because you guys are <laughs> still in love and you're talking about all these things, right? And you want to get to know that other person and they want to get to know you. So it's just conversation, blah, 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 blah. After time goes by, let's fast forward. Let's say you've been married for a decade or 20 years and I'm, getting, I'm coming with my 20th anniversary. We don't need to talk as much anymore. That doesn't mean I'm not supposed to talk because if I just <laughs> stopped talking, my wife would kill me, right? But, but I don't have to use words anymore in order to communicate something to my wife, nor does she to me because we know each other on a much more intimate basis. Mm -hmm. And so a look, you know, a glance, a gesture or whatever, I know what she's thinking. And it's the same with us and God. The deeper our life of prayer the less words have to be used for us to enter into relationship. Now, it doesn't mean vocal prayer ever goes away because obviously we use it in the liturgy and there are always times for vocal prayer. In fact, the catechism says you never leave vocal prayer behind completely. It's always a part of the Christian life. But as you progress in the life of prayer, it becomes less the primary thing as you enter into this love relationship of silence with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we have these beautiful written prayers, you know, we memorize them, but, um, you know, some people might not be comfortable with like vocal or spontaneous prayer, or maybe have never experienced that or been catechized with that. So like on a, on a basic level, Matthew, like how, how would somebody get going with that? What does that look like moving from, from infancy to maturity in our spiritual life? When you say, uh, what does it look like? Do you mean practicing vocal prayer or do you mean moving into the, the life of meditation? And, and I would say both, like I would okay. say both, even at the basic level, if somebody isn't even comfortable doing a, a vocal spontaneous prayer. Yeah, it, it's a hard thing to get used to. Now, I'm a pastor's kid. And so, you yeah. know, for, for us as pastor's kids, it was always showtime when someone asked you to pray. And so you had to have, you know, you whip one out of your pocket. I mean, remember this, Fred, you know, yep, yep. or you and whatnot, you got to, you got to pray, right? Yeah. 
and they tend to be repetitious when you really listen yeah. to someone's vocal yeah. prayers. So really the only, you just have to practice. I mean, it's just doing it. And the first, mm -hmm. the easiest way to do it is probably just speaking out loud with the Lord on your own, right? And then doing it over meals and such. As far as the interior life and really progressing in prayer, and again, this is, this is everything I lay out at Next Level Catholic Academy. Uh, I have a course in there called The Science of Sainthood. And this literally is what I go through in more than 100 different video lessons. But you will find that as you begin this relationship with the Lord, in the beginning, it's just like a dating relationship where you will start to have all these spiritual consolations and you have intense feelings of our Lord. As long as you're you know, really seeking him, he's generous back to you with these this intimacy of relationship and an, and an excitement level, right? And you even have the spiritual consolations that the, the authors, the spiritual authors talk about. And they're kind of like little pieces of candy, like spiritual candy that you get that are foretaste of the meal to come. Mm -hmm. And lots of times people make the mistake of focusing on those kinds of things. And they think they're a lot further along in the spiritual life than they actually are mm -hmm. because, oh, I have these consolations and Jesus is so good to me. And boy, look at the sin in that guy's life. You know, that's so <laughs> classic for beginners right. in the spiritual yeah. life. But then what happens is the Lord starts to pull away and, and your prayer life is kind of, changing at this point in time. So you're engaged more in meditative prayer. You're in this internal conversation. You're practicing this on a regular basis and you start to lose this sense of the presence of the Lord. And this is the beginning of what St. John of the Cross calls the night of sense. And so he's pulling away and teaching you not to just focus on the feelings that you have in your life of prayer. And you start to learn to love the Lord for who he is instead of what he does for you. Mm. So it's a, a totally different kind of relationship. And really what he's preparing you in all of this is, as, as your spiritual maturity goes on, he's preparing you for a new level of the spiritual life. You know, I don't want to use too big a words because we don't have a ton of time to unpack this, <laughs> right? But there are three stages in the spiritual life in Catholic theology called the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive ways. And so the purgative is like, purging yourself of all the sin and vice. And then you, you, that's when your spiritual consolations and stuff happen. And then you get to this night of sense where John of the cross talks about how the Lord is pulling away from you. And this is that transition into the second stage of the spiritual life where you are illuminated by the light and love of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And then you continue on through that stage until you get to, and a lot of people have heard of the dark night of the soul. That's when you feel abandoned by God and you are united to the cross of Jesus Christ and you are prepared to move into the final stage, the unitive way. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila has her nine grades of prayer where she lays it out a little bit differently or in her interior castle, she lays it out there as well. So your life of prayer changes and matures as you move through the Christian life. And what, what happens is generally speaking, it gets more and more quiet and more interior while you're still engaging in vocal prayer for, you know, in the liturgy and things like that. That's beautiful. It's, I just, I mean, I, I just took like a massive spiritual theology <laughs> course and condensed it into two minutes. So if you're like, what in the world? I, I get it. But let, just, just understand this, just as you progress in the natural life from infancy into adolescence and to adulthood, the same thing happens in the spiritual life. You move from spiritual infancy then to adolescence 
and then into adulthood. And one of the things this really tells us, and you take a look at the world around us, you look at what's going on in the church and the world in general, et cetera, too many Catholics are still spiritual infants. Mm -hmm. Too many of us are still there. And we can't, it, it can't be that way. If our job, if our job isn't just to get ourselves to heaven, but to get other people to heaven as well, and this is the path that we're supposed to follow, but we've never gone down it, how in the world are we going to lead people down it? Right, yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. Th this is what evangelization is all about. You have to first be filled up. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said you got to be a reservoir of grace, not a channel, but a reservoir because you're filled up and overflowing and not losing any of the, the grace inside of you, but watering those around you. And you can only do that if you fill up with Jesus Christ. And the only way that happens is through a serious life of prayer wedded to the sacraments. What would be some tips uh, for our listeners on how to, like practical tips? I know you have some in Louder Than Words. Uh, where, where do we begin? How do we begin to develop this deep interior life? Yeah. And you know what? It's like anything else. You start at the beginning. And if you don't have a, any kind of a schedule or a format to, to your, your spirituality, this is what I always say. You start with 10 minutes, 15 if you're really feeling crazy. Mm. And, <laughs> and you say, this is the time I'm going to spend with the Lord. Generally speaking, the saints say, do this first thing in the morning before anything else. And the reason why is because as soon as other thoughts enter your mind, it's almost impossible to recollect yourself and really be in the presence of the Lord, mm -hmm. right? So take 10 or 15 minutes, and I'll tell you right now, in the very beginning, it will drive you crazy. Uh, you will have distractions from all over the place because you know what? The evil one does not want you to do this, mm -hmm. but you even have your own self that gets in the way. And so when distractions happen, St. Teresa of Avila says, just offer them back to the Lord and they become a prayer in and of themselves. So the devil can't win for losing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So you do that and you take that 10 or 15 minutes and you stick with that for a long time. Okay. It differs with various people, but uh, you fight the urge to go outside and do physical labor instead. And you do this on a daily basis. After a while, what you will find is that you will actually start to look forward to this time with the Lord. And those, those times of prayer, schedule allowing and your vocation in life allowing will increase. And the reason why you start to desire this is because this is what you are made for. Mm -hmm. You are made for union with God and prayer is that relationship that leads to that final union. And so you begin to want to be in the presence of the Lord, just like you want to be in the presence of your loved ones in the natural life. So your time will kind of increase. I would also say it's a really good thing, practically speaking at, at noon, pray the Angelus, mm -hmm. you know, there, there are different things you can do. And we have beautiful set prayer set up in the church that kind of bring you back into relationship with the Lord as you start to drift off and do the things in, in life. And then if you're married or you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, I mean, and you're together, my advice is pray evening prayer together. It doesn't take very long, but it gives you an opportunity to pray together with your loved ones, which is always a good thing. And if you have children, I can't stress this enough. Let them see you praying because you are setting the example for them for how they are supposed to mold their spiritual lives and relate back to God. So let them see you doing this. But when you set up a schedule of life 
and you do these things. And I would say spiritual reading as well in the evenings, or if you have time in the morning, take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, and do some spiritual reading. A great example of spiritual reading that you can do in bite-sized chunks is the imitation of Christ. Thomas Akempis. Yeah. I mean, it's just little bite-sized things, but you can, there's all kinds of books that you can read that are right. fantastic for this kind of stuff. And this is spiritual nourishment. And this provides that kind of input a lot of times for the conversation that you have internally with the Lord. But the goal here is to begin to establish this relationship with God so he can draw you into a deeper intimacy with him because that's the goal of life. That's what it's all about. But you've got to start in the beginnings of that relationship. Now, if you're already there, then maybe you need to pray about taking it to the next level, so right. to speak, yeah. and say, okay, 15 minutes isn't enough. I want to spend more time with the Lord. Oh, no, does that mean I have to get up earlier? It might. I mean, right. yeah. it's dark when I get up. And is it hard? Absolutely, it's hard at times. Like, I don't want to get up in the winter time. It was dark <laughs> outside and pray. But when you do it, the blessings are so bountiful. Thank you for listening to this bonus follow-up on prayer. And as Matthew said, prayer is what draws us to Christ and ultimately leads us to heaven. So I encourage you to take time today, to take time in this new year, and come up with your plan to draw near to the Lord in prayer because it's in prayer that we truly come to know him.